Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. This is News Talk. Welcome to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, John Riley will join me to look at the biggest gaming titles of 2023 so far. Plus, the Chief Marketing Officer at Nokia will talk about the resurgence of the flip phone. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Instagram at jesskellynt. But we're going to start this week uh, by looking at some of the big gaming titles that have come out over the last wee while and a bit more gaming news as well. Uh, John Riley of TheEffect.net is with me. John, how are you? Very good. You, Jess? I'm good, but I have been a Zelda widow for the last little while. What? Yeah. You've lost him. I've lost him. I like it. Same for Claire. Same for my phone. All he does. I can't stop thinking about it. Like we're on the couch watching TV and he'd be like, oh, look at my dog. Oh, look, I built this thing. And I'm like, Harry, I don't, like, I can't list all the ways that I don't care. Oh. And do you know what? I get it. Tell him vision? I get it. No, I knew you would. Yeah. So I'm, this is just for Harry. The entire piece is just for Harry. I'm here for you, Harry. But uh, do you know what he did? The sad little soul. What? He, on the day it came out, he went up to Smith's and queued up outside Smith's and Carfmines to buy it. I wish I did. Be- I nearly cried. I was like, <laughs> oh God, please. There was queues all over the world. Did, like, it was like it was Grand Theft Auto level in terms of the last time I'd seen massive queues like this in gaming, you know, all over New York, all over North America, all over the world, basically. In yeah. Carrick Mines. In Carrick Mines, New York. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all the great places. I just, I hadn't seen that level of excitement for a game. And the way he said it to me was, imagine if there was a new Animal Crossing game out and then I completely got it. There you it. go. That's I, as I simple as that. I completely understand yeah. it. Uh, for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about uh, the Zelda franchise and indeed this new game. Yeah, so one of the longest kind of running franchises in gaming history nearly is The Legend of Zelda, which, you know, listeners would have one way or the other heard of this title. Mm-hmm. So the newest one has just launched on May, sorry, uh, quite a while ago now, May 12th uh, for the Nintendo Switch exclusively. Mm-hmm. So only playable on the Nintendo Switch and it's been six years since the previous Zelda title Breath of the Wild which launched kind of with the Nintendo Switch when that launched six years ago mm-hmm. and also launched on the Wii U back then. But anyways, here we are 2023 and a brand new Zelda's out and they've done it again. Like the guys in Nintendo just, they've struck gold twice lightning is struck whatever the, whatever terminology you want yeah. to use it's almost like what I've seen online people saying the first game was like a trial run and that was a masterpiece which a lot of outlets said yeah. this is better again yeah. and it's like I see people not clicking with it and I get like people go Zelda yeah okay I know the name bye and just move on with your mm-hmm. life whereas when you actually sit down and see what they've done in comparison to every other big AAA title that's been out in the last however many years since the last Zelda basically this new one has come and it's just so creatively refreshing or re- refreshingly creative whichever way that it just makes me go this is what a game should be yeah it's just incredible freedom versatility as I said creativity with kind of m- m- sticking things together building your little ships it all sounds incredibly nerdy and whatever it is and what it, it is, is. Yeah. yeah it is but it's really good fun it's like scouts in a game <laughs> oh very good yeah that's I didn't do scouts but it's exactly because it's literally you're getting that building l- fires building fires getting logs building boats yeah and now what <laughs> Harry said and this is completely Harry's thoughts not mine he said that every little and the, the original or the last Zelda game was great yeah and if you could write a list of like little niggly things you'd like to fix, they're all fixed in the new game. Like yep. Everything about it is just 
up another level. In terms and of, yeah. in terms of enjoyment, in terms of interaction, in terms of stuff to do within the game, yeah. he's completely blown away by it. The usability. And as you said, it's been six years. And, you know, I think one of the producers of the game came out there a while ago and said, this game was ready last year, but we spent another year basically polishing it, tidying it up, making sure all the physics works, all the gluing, all the sticking together of things, mm. you're creating boats, rafts, whatever it is, all in a fantastical kind of fantasy setting. Um, so it's not like very just, I'm in a forest, what am I doing? Building a tree, you know, building a, you know, but it's all kind of, all this kind of high fantasy, the story's really engaging, yada, yada, yada. But uh, yeah, it's just, the polish is just on another level because so many, so many games launch, as we are aware with Cyberpunk and other titles that have been delayed or have launched and there have been bugs and they've been patched and then patched again where Zelda has come out and it's basically, I think I had two patches, two minor patches and it's perfect. Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah, I think if you want to jump into that world, you definitely should. It's uh, 60 quid in Smiths or 70 quid on the Nintendo eShop. Another game that uh, came out a little while ago now is Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Yeah, so this is, you know, another kind of really popular, well, incredible franchise. But this title was, there was a lot of hype over this title because the original kind of in the first in this this trilogy, what I think it's going to be, came out in 2019. It was a surprise hit for people because they were like, oh, they've actually nailed this kind of gameplay. They've They've nailed the storytelling, the characters, whatever. So the new one, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which came out in April, um, launched on the current gen consoles which I love to see meaning mm. they can just really push these new consoles the PS5 and the Xbox Series X to their limits to a certain extent and they're not being held back by last gen consoles um, it's 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 come into rare reviews. We've reviewed it on our site and I absolutely loved it. I played it personally, finished it, think it's fantastic because, um, you know, I'm getting more and more into the Star Wars world, into the universe, into all these characters, all these uh, storylines. And yeah, it's just a really good, fun game to play. Uh, that full review is up on theeffect.net if you want to read it now. You spoke to me a while ago about the Star Wars VR game, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, Star- Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. What did you make of that again? I really liked it. I, it reminded me, and I saw a lot of people on Reddit say the same thing. It's like, it reminded me as if I went to a standalone like VR experience in, say, Disneyland or yeah. in, in a kind of a proper setup where you go, right, sir, put on this headset and you get 20 minutes to play as uh, a Jedi or whatever it is or kind of a... It's like a simulation uh, kind yeah, of thing. Because yeah, because the, the, the quality of the, of the experience and the, the the music, the, the dialogue, the com- the characters, again, the visuals on the PS5, it's all running on the PS5 via the VR headset. And uh, yeah, you're just like, God, this is like a, a theme park level quality game in a way that you go, I got to be a Star Wars character for three or four hours last night because you get to play this game whenever you want because it's at home. But, you know, with things like, and whether it is Star Wars or all of the Spider-Men or you, the, those kind of franchisey ones. Yeah. Are, is is it a given that they're going to be good? As in, if you go in and pick up any Star Wars game, do they always invest in them to the same level? Or are you going to have ones that are a bit of a letdown? No, definitely. Like you can never just c- c- kind of quote. Some studios do, unfortunately. Um, I think just recently, a Lord of the Rings game came out all about Gollum. Um, one of the most, you know, one of people's favourites character ever from the mm. books and from the movies. We all know Gollum and Schmeagel or whatever. But a game just came out there a couple of weeks ago and God, it got completely annihilated because it was potentially just cashing in on the branding, on the t- on one of the most famous brands in the world. And it just wasn't up to scratch. The polish wasn't there. It was just a bad game. Mm. So you have to be careful. Do your homework. Thankfully now Star Wars seems to have kind of really, they're, they're continuously hitting some, you know, some really strong titles and, you know, they're putting the work into these titles to make sure they're not letting down the fans and then in turn making that money back. So yeah, you just have to do a bit of homework to make sure you're not going to be stung. 
Yeah, I really don't like those sort of cash grab ones, though, yeah. where they just lash a, a bit of branding on it and call it a game. Because what ends up happening, and you referenced Cyberpunk's a few mon- uh, minutes ago, when something comes out and it's not up to scratch, it kind of burns your tongue a little bit. You don't want to go back and try it again then. You're like, do you yeah. know what? I'm kind of done with that. And it means that you don't get to experience the good games like the, the Jedi Survivor you just mentioned yeah, there. Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's unfortunate and it's just in terms of like it's board members, it's share prices, it's everything kind of controls and dictates when games are forced to release or not ready to release and all this kind of thing. And then they think, oh, we'll patch it, we'll patch it, we'll patch it. But then, you know, I'm, I'll keep I'll keep butchering the quote and I don't even know if he said it, but the Nintendo guy, who uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, he created Mario. He always said a delayed game is good but a rushed game is always bad or something I've always butchered that quote but basically just take your time studios yeah. you know, delay your game take as long as you need because if it comes out bad the, the, the repercussions in terms of a public perception it's almost impossible to come back for some studios yeah well, but, but the fact that we're still referencing cyberpunk, cyberpunk I know that's how bad it was on, yeah like uh, no, I'm Three sure year, it's like two and a half years. Yeah, sorry. But like that was catastrophic. That was as bad as it got to the point it was pulled from the PlayStation Store because of quality issues. Yeah, mm. it was catastrophic. Not ideal. Uh, we mentioned the PSVR 2 there a second ago. What's Red Matter 2? Yeah, so this is a one that could definitely fly under people's radars, but it's a new title that came out on the PSVR 2, as we just spoke about. And it kind of focuses on, uh, well, how will I say it? A dystopian Cold War setting. Uh, so you're kind of playing as this... Uh, this uh, character called Sasha and you kind of control him around these moon bases or space bases. Again, it sounds kind of a bit odd, but in terms of how it looks on the headset, it's like a very, very hyper-realistic escape room that you kind of go on. You're on this you're on these moons off Saturn and you're like what is happening there's like this kind of enigma you have to deduce like you would an escape room going you need to get out in the next hour but it's not an escape room it's just an idea for your listeners to be like right I have to put this puzzle together to open this door to get that valve to power that battery and you just have to think outside the box but that really good gameplay mechanic mixed with really really impressive visuals running at an incredibly high refresh rate yeah. on the headset make it out to be a kind of a, 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 a kind of sleeping hit like I'm, I'm really really enjoying it as I'm playing through it now yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is one that I'm going to download now. It's only 30 quid. Yeah. And again, you're looking at about seven, eight, maybe nine hours, depending on how slow you go. So it's not a full-blown experience, but it's like the, the polish and the attention to detail and just how good it looks. I think you should definitely give it a go. You won't be disappointed. I'm really having a good time playing it. Is that the kind of game, though, that you can't really go back to once it's done, it's done? To a certain, yeah, yeah. It's not an open world as such. So, like, it's it is quite linear. You go, you you make a room through different, you make your way through different rooms, different sections, different areas. And so, you there wouldn't be loads of replayability, but just a small bit, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, uh, thirty quid, and you can see that full review also up on theeffect.net. Now, is it two weeks ago now? The PlayStation Showcase event took place. Uh, What did we get? Yeah. So, like, this was hyped up beyond anything I'd seen in, in previous kind of gaming events, showcase events. So PlayStation had a showcase event on May 24th and it kind of was 9pm Irish time. So prime time for the European audience to be able to tune in. So I was delighted. It ran for about an hour and 10 minutes and we got about 30 something plus trailers for new games, kind of updates to existing games, like any kind of, any of these gaming showcase events, you get to see what's coming down the pipeline, what's currently about to launch, all that kind of stuff. Um, But unfortunately, people were kind of a bit uh, left a bit disappointed because we didn't get loads of sh- sh- Sony's famous first party standout yeah. Spider-Man exclusive titles God of War titles whatever it may be their next big IP um, their next big franchise that they're going to push on this PS5 console we didn't get that as much as people were hyping it up to be that um, to the point that a lot of the trailers that were shown will be coming to PC will be coming to Xbox to the point that 
Xbox themselves launched an image with a little thumbnail with about 12 or 15 of the games that were announced at the PlayStation Showcase saying, can't wait to have these on our console, basically. So it was like, oh, burn. Yeah, real bitchy. But just going, it kind of just called out Sony going, it was all meant to be about you guys. And all these games are going to the PlayStation as well, obviously. But like, you really should have took that time and took that spotlight to showcase why your console is the one people should buy, not not show games that can be played on an Xbox, basically. Why do they do that? Like, I... I don't know. It's bizarre. Yeah, look, I think they don't ever feel like they need to rush. You know, they're, they're in the they're in the lead. They're, yeah. they're, they're the top dog and they don't need to be listening to anyone's demands or kind of requests. But they seem to just be slowly, slightly losing their shine because of like, well, what am I? The Spider-Man is coming out. Spider-Man 2 is coming out just before Christmas. We don't know what date yet, but that is going to be the next console seller because it's going to be only on PlayStation. But after that, you're, you're kind of, you're starting to clutch at straws in terms of titles that are really going to push this console that people kind of get excited about I was seeing people going right I'm selling my PS5 really? that, that, yeah well that's a bit dramatic now this is on Reddit I love and Twitter. the drama such drama though, going, yeah. that show is so disappointing I'm selling my PS5 who wants it and it's just like god alright calm down like you can play other games on here yeah so they were a bit kind of people were and I have to admit I was kind of a bit like I wanted to see those ones where you go oh my god did you see that trailer I can't believe they're bringing X to the PS5 yeah. only and you know that kind of stuff like they've just hyped themselves up so much it's hard to keep that kind of level but what I keep going back to and I hate harping back but I will <laughs> like when PS5 came out and for such a long time it was so hard to get your hands on one Yeah. and the people who had one were so happy and smug because yeah. they thought this is it mm. and I remember you saying at the time like this is amazing but it's all going to rely on the titles that are made available for it because there's no point in having this amazing machine that is capable of delivering so much if you're just having the same old titles time and again. Yeah, well the thing like they have some incredible titles and the, you know they finally the, the supply demand or the supply chain has been fixed since the start of the year to the point that Sony kind of came out and officially announced look at if you need one they're a lot more accessible to get mm-hmm. and there's some you know incredible God of War Ragnarok is on there the original Spider-Man game is on there some Horizon Forbidden West is on there there's some huge titles that I absolutely adore on there so you're not going to be like buying a redundant box to put no, in the corner no. but they've just created such a quality level or hype level for themselves you know internally externally that it's never as I said it's going to be hard to keep that expectation or that level of excitement continuously with, with kind of future events like they just had now people going oh where's my next big kind of must have title for the console apart mm-hmm. from Spider-Man so it's a kind of a, it's a dance they have to kind of dance to make sure that they keep everyone on side basically yeah, um, we also got a look at the new handheld. Yeah, see, so this one got a bit of a people chuckled, going, "What the hell is this it's thing?" One of the ugliest things I think I've ever seen in my entire life. So near the tail end Not of to the be dramatic. no, no, that's totally fine. Near the tail end of the event, they announced what they call Project Q. Uh-huh. So for your listeners, um, and someone, Tom Warren from The Verge on Twitter did a very good uh, co- comedic take on this. He took his Switch display, sat it on, sat it between two dual dual sense controllers. So put yeah. a PS Five controller either side of the screen, so it looked like you got the left and the right. And people were like, I can't believe I got to play it early. And they all fell for it because that's exactly what it looks like. It's like they've jammed a controller, or they've, they've jammed an LCD screen into the middle of a PS5 controller. And then that'll let you play your PS5 in your house when you don't have the telly. Can I just pee on the parade? Here? Absolutely. Think, so I play the Nintendo Switch Lite, yep. which I love as a handheld console. It's just so comfortable to use. The notion of playing that holding it because of the shape of the controllers yep. then also I wonder about the weight of it 
Like it looks like it's going to be. I don't know if it'll be heavy because purely because all it's doing is streaming games. Whereas this, your Switch Lite is running the game on the Switch yeah. Lite. You're you're playing. But that's animal- still very light though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Hence the name, obviously. But yeah. this now it's just a screen. So I really fingers crossed. But in a counterintuitive way, or kind of a negative way, you wanted light, but that means the battery could be crap, abysmal. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I just think it's ugly. And I remember you and I being dodgy cows when the PS5 picked up launch, <laughs> and we were like, "God, it looks like a Virgin Media modem." Yeah, yeah. That's, it, that's what everyone said as well. Yeah, and it does. It does. Uh, so yeah. Basically, it's, if you're listening, please do send one in for a review because yeah, you want to give it a go. I can't wait. Like people say they think it's so stupid. They love it because it's like, why would I need this? I've got a tablet that I can stream. That might be. Anyways, yeah, I'm really intrigued to see more or learn more about it. It'll come out later this year. We don't know price. We don't know if it'll be available globally. Yeah, people are all very curious as to why they're bringing this out now in 2023. Yeah, I think as soon as we get it, we'll do an honest, we'll do an honest uh, first impressions. Yeah. And then we'll obviously do the honest review. Yeah. If we get one. <laughs> we get, oh, I doubt we will, yeah, but it's sure like, luck. It's lovely. We're trying. Oh, yeah. yeah, no harm. Uh, yeah, well, look, if you want to read uh, all of those game reviews and indeed more, head on over to TheEffect.net. John, as always, thanks so much. Cheers, Jess. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. Welcome back to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Now, before the break, we were chatting to John Riley about some of the best gaming titles of the year so far. But if there's any game you think we've missed or, you know, haven't talked about in full as of yet, drop me an email to techtalk at newstalk.com and we will check it out and bring you that review. Now, remember back in the good old days when a mobile phone was essentially a Nokia? Didn't matter what model it was, the 3310 was obviously everywhere, but the majority of people had a Nokia. The brand was dominant in that space, but it disappeared for a while when the iPhone and smartphones came along. However, several years ago now, HMD Global took over the phone part of the Nokia brand and has spent the last few years building it back up. We've had some excellent Android devices from Nokia, but we're also seeing the resurgence of some of the more nostalgic Dumb phones, as they're called. Lars Sillerbauer is the CMO at HMD Global and he joins me now. Lars, you're very welcome to the show. Um, It must be nice having such a big portfolio to work with in terms of the fancy high-tech phones and then these older devices coming back to the fore as well. Well, it's, it's been it's been quite a journey. I, I joined myself nine months ago, but, uh, but before that, it's, it's been quite a journey. And I think what, what HMD Global has been really good at is really to take the Nokia brand DNA about really durability, uh, taking that into the, the the next generation, which also means adding repairability, sustainability uh, to to the mix. So that's that's why the phones that we're delivering right now and developing right now are both both smartphones, feature phones, are, are even more durable than than back in the Nokia days um, and are of course even more sustainable uh, than than they've ever been. So, so that's that's kind of like the, the journey that we're on and, and hopefully we'll be on that journey for, for many more years to come. Yeah, I spoke to one of your colleagues a few months ago about the repairability of the phones and how important that is to the consumer of today. But I want to talk to you about the resurgence of the flip phone in particular. Um, aside from the novel aspect of it, the functionality has increased and they are a joy to use. So just explain to me a little bit about how and why these phones are coming back. I think, and we've seen it begin in the U.S. as as a lot of trends they they start in the U.S. Uh, and now it's moving to to Europe. So we've seen this, especially starting with the, the younger generation. So you can see, or like people around the early twenties, or or just turning twenty, um, that they've really 
are looking back to to the the two thousands and looking at an age where things were a bit simpler, and they feel right now. They don't feel that that's what we can see from research that they feel stressed out and they feel uh, stressed out, especially by their smartphones, by the constant notifications on uh, whatever is happening on social media. Whoever Leonardo DiCaprio is 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 dating right now, that the constant notifications are really stressing them out so they they want to experience more real life moments and to do that you need to to to, to put down your phone for a while and that's why we see this resurgence of of, of feature phones and flip phones specifically the notion of a digital detox is a popular one uh, we've spoken to people here on news talk who have these exact phones just with basic connectivity for the weekends so when friday comes they swap their sim cards and they're happy out how important is the balance uh you know that the phone doesn't have to have an excellent camera but it does still need to be functional for basic communication mm. i i think it's a Having tried it myself, and I'm actually uh, continuing to 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 do it uh, um, once a week or every every second week myself. I think it's it's actually quite a revelation. I can really recommend people to do it because you suddenly realize when you don't have that access to your phone and you don't have that go to device that you actually are. You need to take more action. You need to to really prioritize where you spend your time and where you where you focus your time. And I think it's it's something that's that's been sliding away from us for a while because the the smartphone is always there. Like the feeds are never empty. You never turn on Instagram and it's an empty feed. Like you've seen it all, mate. Like go go into real life. That's never happens. So so that that revelation is is, is quite quite astonishing. Like I really recommend people to 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 try it out. Um, as we don't see like the the feature phone as a, or the flip phone as something you you ditch your smartphone and then you go completely. Uh, feature phone uh, it's more like a companion device that that will teach you that kind of balancing act of of having both a busy work life but also really to prioritize your partner your kids your friends whatever you, you want to do in your, in your in your leisure time to really prioritize the moments that you're in instead of chasing something where you where, where you cannot be but are things like multi-factor authentication and uh, you know access to WhatsApp or whatever it is, is that a barrier or proving to be a barrier that prevents people from making the move from a smartphone to one of these devices? And and yes, uh, as 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 I said, like I don't see us, uh, I don't see many people going completely onto a flip phone as as it is right now. There might be other devices coming in the future, but but as it is right now, I see it more as a companion device. So when you're when you're not on the move, when you don't need to to use your your Apple Pay or Google Pay, um, then you can have your your flip phone. So it's a companion device, but also a device that will not uh, it, it will not require that you constantly are having two chargers with you, a lot of cables and so on, because this is going to last like more than a week you know, on on standby mode, and and it's going to be the, the the backup phone that you that always will be there when when you need it. We are uh, we're coming into a concert and festival season here in Ireland and I'm sure over the next few months I'll be recommending devices like this uh, to people rather than bringing their thousand euro phone uh, bring something like this forget the power bank and just get on with it from a marketing point of view is that the demographic that you are going after it's uh, it's it's funny because it's it's not us targeting them it, it's them who found us mm. so that that's actually why we are bringing this back it's, it's really based on consumer. Uh, insights and, and and consumer demand basically that they they started to pick up the flip phones and then we saw that 
trend happening in in the US and then now in Europe. Uh, and of course, like we we are very happy to supply people with both the smartphone and the feature phone. But when we see, especially like the younger demographics, the younger audience is is acting a lot more mature <laughs> in this way that they are actually are uh, initiating this this balancing of your digital life versus uh, real life. And that's, of course, something that, that we only appreciate. And, and on your whole festival and concert thing, I, I think as a musician myself, it's it's incredible to see that so many people are losing out on the concert experience and the festival experience by wanting to record everything mm-hmm. and then being being not in the moment. And that's 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 where I think that we need to have that that real life experience and we need to bring that back and be more focused on on when we dedicate the, the full focus on, on real life. Mm, you're so right. And we're seeing more and more artists introducing phone-free concerts and comedy gigs and all the rest, which I do think it is a good thing. Uh, when you look to the future, do you think these older nostalgic devices will continue to grow uh, or is this just a trend? Like we we just can say what the analysts are saying, and they're predicting that this will grow five percent in the next couple of years. This this market, I can like just my in my gut feeling is that it's definitely going to grow just from the pickup that we've seen all across Europe and US as well, and it's being picked up not just by Gen Z, but a lot of older generations are also realizing that need. And I, I think we all know that moment, uh, at least <laughs> I've experienced that moment. If your partner is is asking you, like, you, can you please put down your phone or whatever? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's going to fix relationships, but, but a feature phone, a flip phone, is not going to make a relationship worse if you dedicate a bit more time to, to the one you're with. Mm, another thing that crops up quite a bit as well is uh, devices for kids. I know a lot of parents often feel peer pressure to get their child a device but these devices that do have more limited functionality than a smartphone does seem to be a good introductory device for, for young people. Absolutely. <clears throat> and uh, like my previous career was uh, was at, uh, at Lego where I spent many years. And especially that, like, that young age where you really need to focus on learning how to interact with other people. You need to learn how to play with other people. You need to really learn how to grow up in a, in a, in a, in a, in a good way. That's where apps cannot really help you a lot, and uh, that's also again like what we see from research that Gen Z realize it's it's introducing a lot of toxic behaviors when you use smartphones excessively um, in that early age, where a feature phone or flip phone is is a more simple way to actually stay in, in contact with your parents, with your friends, in a way that doesn't have this constant need and doesn't really uh, urge you to to go into the apps constantly. Great stuff. Well, there is a Nokia 2660 Flip sitting on my desk and I am very excited to uh, have a go and bring that full review on the Pat Kenny Show in just a few weeks' time. Lars, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. That was Lars Sillerbauer, the CMO at HMD Global, speaking with me about the resurgence of the flip phone. Are you one of those people that makes a move from a smartphone to a dumb phone for the weekend? Uh, Email me techtalk at newstalk.com. Now, when we come back, Derek Riley is going to join me to talk about some of the EV brands you may not have heard of. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. In just a few minutes' time, we're going to hear how your business can help raise vital funds for sick children here in Ireland. But first, Derek Riley of Nevo.ie is with us once again 
to guide us through the world of electric vehicles. Uh, Derek, what's on the agenda this week? Today we're talking about all the new brands coming to the marketplace that people may not have heard about in the past predominantly coming from China, but coming from China isn't always a bad thing. And there are some existing brands that have already been manufactured over there. Okay, now when you say brands that we may not, is it like ones that we've never heard of or just don't hear as much, like they're not as prominent as say like Nissan and all those ones? So if I said to you, Maxus, BYD and Aura, would you know of those names? Are they not Elon Musk's kids, no? (laughs) So brands that are, now we'll go through each one, but brands that predominantly wouldn't have been in the passenger car market ever in Ireland. Uh, And there's more coming, but these are the three newest ones on the market here in Ireland. Okay, where do we start? Probably Maxis. It's one that has been on the road. So it was originally called LDV. It's been brought in by the Harris Motor Group there in Dublin, and they have the rights to the UK and Ireland um, right-hand drive markets. So they're they're servicing the UK market as well. So Maxis, originally LDV, now Maxis, and they would have predominantly have been in the light commercial vehicles and van section. So you'll see Maxis vans the, on post, postal services use a lot of their electric vans. And they said, OK, there's a lot of interest in this electric vehicle thing. We're going to get into passenger cars. And what they've done is they've come out with a luxury people mover called the Maxus Mifa 9, which is a six and seven seater. If you want to move people from A to B in style uh, internally and externally, uh, this is what's going to get you there. Like so like a shuttle service, et cetera, et cetera. So it is um, it's a large vehicle. And I, I've sent Jess pictures of what we're talking about today. So she doesn't have to imagine it. Yeah, I'm looking at it now and it looks uh, no, this is an untrained eye and completely ignorant, but it looks like a cross between uh, like a presidential vehicle that you'll see in the president's motorcade and a hearse. So when you say presidential vehicle, you mean the United States president? Obviously. <laughs> Rather than the Ford Focus that Michael D goes around in, whatever it is, yeah. It is not aerodynamic. It is a large slab of, because there's three rows in it, and the central rows um, and the luxury edition. So it comes in three different trims. And then the top level trim, that central row, those two seats in the middle are like captain's chairs. They're like armchairs. They fully recline. They're fully automatic, massage, heated, cooled. So it is, you are moving presidents around the place. The hearse comment has been brought up before. And I love the fact that Jess, because you've, you give us your honest opinion as to if you saw that on the road, that's exactly what you'd say as well. Some people are uh, saying it looks like a, like a dark Vader helmet as well. I'm not sure if you're starting to see that now that yeah, I think. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, in terms of, because it is such a big car, what's the story with the batteries then from an EV point of view? Large battery, so the guts of 100 kilowatt hours. So it is one of, definitely on the higher end of the scale. Uh, because it's such a bulk of a vehicle and the new Kia EV9 is after coming out with pretty similar size battery packs. If you're looking to transport 567, adults in essence uh, around the place you know that's uh, five six seven hundred kgs so it needs that heft of power number one now some people say we shouldn't be looking at these size of vehicles they're not practical but there are use cases where people need to get from a to b in luxury and they want to do it electric with zero tailpipe emissions so if they don't buy this they're going to buy something that's combustion engine so let's make horses for courses and the maxima the maxis mifa 9 does that so i could see this like in a five-star hotel you up from the airport that kind of space that chauffeur space is where i'd really put this into but it's a brand that people will you'll see this maxis name badge on a car and people wouldn't know where it came from 
Okay, so that's that one. Now, the one that you've sent me a picture of that I really, really like, although I hate the name, is the Aura Funky Cat. Yeah, new to the market. So part of the Great Wall Motor and by the name itself, you'd know what country it was coming from. So again, coming from China and the Great Wall Motor Company brought in the Aura brand, which is their all electric uh, and their first model to market is the Funky Cat. Um, stylistically beautiful. And I think you agree, Jess, it is something totally different on the road, has that two tone roof. The designer is ex-Porsche, so you will start to see elements of Porsche front and rear. Some people say it looks very much like elements of the Volkswagen original Beetle. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very something totally different on the road. It has really good tech inside. Uh, their voice assistant is one of the best I've ever worked with. And they have like a learning tree program within the infotainment system. So you can understand the capability very much like the skills assessment, which uh, your personal assistant, I won't say the name, so it activates everybody's, but um, opening windows, changing radio, all that kind of stuff. Um, really, really good. And um, the Aura Funky Cat would have a small enough boot, but the what they've done is they've given more space in the back because they feel people want to move passengers rather than uh, luggage or shopping more uh, and so they've made that decision to give more space in the rear yeah i really like the look of this one do we have a price point for this one yep uh, or a funky cat's coming in at just around thirty-three thousand euros for the entry level battery the standard and then the top level trim the 400 pro is just around forty thousand euros Okay, and what's that comparable to then, you know, in terms of cars that we'd be familiar with? Everything has been benchmarked at the moment against the Tesla Model 3. For cash, you can buy a Tesla Model 3 for just over €40,000. Uh, but you're in the same kind of neck of the woods as a Kia Nero EV, uh, a Hyundai Kona EV, uh, Renault Megane. So you're, you're that SUV, that size SUV, you're up against that kind of um historical legacy automakers and those their price points but everybody that i talk to now about electric vehicles on nevo they're like oh oh that's the same price as a tesla model 3 or it's five grand below or five grand above and so yeah. people are using that now as the benchmark because that tesla price is fluctuating so much they're they're changing the price on a on a monthly basis okay then we have the byd atto 3 which looks to an untrained eye a little bit like one of the maybe the cash guy kind of style vibe on externally very what's the word fits in doesn't rock any boats an suv very much like you said jess you, you could pass it on the road and you not that you wouldn't turn your head but you'd be like oh that's just another suv BYD uh, is probably going to be the world's largest electric vehicle manufacturer. Last year, they made more electrified, so they're full electric and they're hybrid, if you combine the two of them, than Tesla. They're all vertical integrated because so they make their own batteries, the BYD Blade batteries, just launched in Ireland uh, through the MDL Motor Distributors Limited um, group. They have two garages in Dublin, one in Cork, and more coming in around the country. This is going to probably be the brand that you're going to see the most of because the size of the organization at, at a at global level is just absolutely massive. Um, something like 30% of all the mobile phone batteries in the world are BYD batteries. So they have the battery technology and they went, well, we're making these batteries. Why don't we make a car as well? So the Atto 3 is the first to market, but they already have six or seven other models that we can see in other markets that are going to be coming to Ireland. It, uh, you, you all sent me a picture of the interior of the car and although there is that massive display, kind of like an iPad Pro in the middle of the dashboard, it's not as cluttered as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's inspired and that display actually 
bins, uh, so it goes land tra landscape or portrait, whatever you'd like. So if you're using satellite navigation, you can leave it in uh, portrait. And then if you want to do something else, uh, landscape, there's split screen. So again, super intuitive, super fast uh, infotainment system. But the internal side design style uh, cues have been taken, what they say is from a gym. So if you look underneath that screen, you'll see these vertical discs. They, they say that they're inspired by free weights. That's the actual vental system. The door handles are something else in the gym. And so they've, the, ha the actual um, mode selector is a, is a handle in the middle of the center console. But yeah, does, it's something totally refreshing internally. You wouldn't think of looking at it from the outside uh, that it had anything to shout about. But internally, it is uh, nothing else like it in the marketplace. And the BYD brand, is, as I say, is probably going to be the biggest car manufacturer, electric vehicle manufacturer uh, in the coming years. Uh, the last time we spoke, uh, we touched upon, you know, the the grants and the changes to the grants and all the rest. But also we spoke about the uh, demand for EVs and the supply of EVs. With the arrival of these brands to Ireland, will that take some of the pressure off? But will it also then scupper the sales of some of the players that we're very familiar with if these new lads come in town and have cars on demand? Yeah, and it's very much, you're starting to see that. So because of the level of vehicles is pretty much staying the same, if not coming down, because a lot of people are, uh, new, new generations aren't buying cars anymore. They're using public transport or uh, they're getting around in other means. So the, the car sales figures are starting to decline. The pandemic had a bit of a change in that where people were working remotely. So I might decide to leave Dublin and move back to Belmont. Uh, and then inbound one of the public transport system wouldn't be as strong as obviously in, in, in South County Dublin. So I'd need a car to get around. But that's kind of balanced itself out. So in Ireland, we traditionally would sell around between 100 and 120,000 vehicles a year. So that's not going to increase. It's going to say the same, if not decline. So these new brands coming in, to your point, is that it's really conquest. It's going to take market share from somebody else. Uh, and so what we're starting to see is, yes, all the other brands were saying, oh, we can't get the models. We can't get the models. Now that these brands from China, uh, for these three examples, but we will be looking at Vietnamese brands potentially coming to Ireland and South Korean brands coming to Ireland like Genesis potentially. Um, yeah, they're definitely going to start taking market share. So the incumbents and the legacy automakers are saying, oh, God, we need to get stock fast because if we don't have it and Jess is looking for a new car, she's going to go and buy from BYD and that's going to be her car for the next three or four years. And then she'll be a BYD customer. And we're going to have to try and win her back. Yeah. If she's happy with the dealership, if she's happy with the car, happy with the servicing, et cetera, et cetera. Why would you go back? And so, yeah, there is a couple of and you can see some um traditional dealerships doing EV sales, EV promotions to say, we have stock. If you want vehicles, we have them here. You can see exactly what we have on the forecourt. If Jess is looking for a purple car with a green interior, you'd have to wait six, eight, 12 months. But if you want a blue car with a cream interior, it's sitting here and, and we're happy to work with you on, on a finance package. Interesting stuff. Yeah, look, they are definitely... Interesting to look at. We will share pictures if you want to go and have a snoop. Uh, I'd love to know what you think. You can email techtalk at newstalk.com. Uh, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie, as always, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Jess. Now, every day, sick children here in Ireland undergo treatment for a range of issues, problems and illnesses. Children's Health Foundation works to provide vital services for those kids and their families. Emma Horgan is the Head of Campaigns and Community Engagement and she joins me now. Uh, Emma, firstly, thanks for your time. Uh, can you just start by telling me a little bit about the work that you and your team do? Absolutely. Thank you so much. 
Children's Health Foundation aims to give every sick child the very best chance. And the key to that is ensuring that the incredible healthcare staff across the hospitals have the best possible tools to do their job. So families who have attended the hospital with their child tell us time and time again what a difference the funding makes, whether that's because they've benefited from a procedure or service that previously wasn't available or because of a little touch of comfort during an incredibly hard time. So fundraising support allows for equality of care now. Without uh, support, your staff would not be able to do to add the same level of comfort to the care that they provide. Um, so care that has a child-centered approach is so important for the comfort of the sick children who are treated at all the Children's Health Ireland hospitals. That's Crumlin, Temple Street, Tal and Connolly. Um, and so that wouldn't be possible if not for fundraising. So with regard to the funds themselves, they go directly to help hospital staff provide the best care possible for sick children from all over Ireland through the purchase of equipment, which leads to more children being treated. Um, it funds emerging services that provide care for those who may have previously had to go elsewhere or even attend adult services. We fund research in all areas and patient supports, which are vital in making the experience as comfortable and child-centered as possible. So that would be therapies like pet therapy, play therapy and music therapy. Mm. And anyone who's ever interacted with your services will know the difference that some of these things can really make to not only the child, but the overall family's experience, because it is incredibly difficult and um, something that's almost too hard to imagine. Um, in, ter- in terms of the fundraising initiatives, uh, I know myself, I could think of four or four, five examples off the top of my head where I, I, I can see the logo and I can see that, you know, whether it's a bucket on the street, whether it is, uh, you know, different initiatives over the years. Talk to me about how you go about finding different avenues to get people to donate and to also understand the message and the the points that you've just outlined there of the impact of their donations. Yeah, I mean, it, like it's a huge impact. Um, you know, raising funds for sick children is it's it's amazing the supporters are absolutely amazing whether they've had like first-hand experience you know as you said I think nearly every every person in Ireland has you know is touched by something um or is some person who has gone through the hospitals um well you know whether that's like in long-term care or with a broken leg for example um so every and everyone seems to have a very positive experience um you know if they if they are going in for uh something minor so we have um we offer a, a suite of activities for people to get involved in so whether people are interested in like you know marathons more extreme challenges parachutings abseiling and um, that sort of thing or or if, you know, a lot of schools would get involved with trick or treat for sick children or Great Irish Bake. Um, so basically, we try and cater for everyone and um, that there's a way for everybody to get involved. Um, and that's that's how we're that's how we're going. Yeah. And, and it's great when you see kids fundraising for other kids. Uh, it is something that. I think everybody, as you said, is touched by this in some way or has heard a story that has broken their heart or captured their imagination. And there's an initiative that you guys run that I'm really interested in. It's called Clash of the Companies. Tell me more about this one. That's right. So Clash of the Companies is a corporate team building fundraiser. It's a 
hugely popular event. It's been going since 2015, uh, a little little hiatus in the middle of the pandemic. Um, it was originally for Temple Street, but now it's supporting all children's Children's Health Ireland um, sites, Crumlin, Temple Street, Tala and Connolly. So it's a fabulous team building fun day for organisations to take part in. Uh, so far, it has raised um, over 1.2 million to date for the, the children's hospitals. Um, and it's happening at the RDS on Friday, the 7th of July. So it will be teams of eight people. Um, but if individuals from a company want to enter, they can fundraise the full amount themselves. Uh, but we, we encourage organizations to, to put in teams. Um, so everybody receives a free T-shirt and a goodie bag with sustenance to keep them going for the day. Um, the teams take to the streets of Dublin all around the RDS with an iPad, iPad solving clues and puzzles and taking parts in tasks. So it's the afternoon of Friday, the 7th of July. And then they return to the RDS um, once they're done for games and food and refreshments. And uh, there's a presentation of prizes. Um, all the funds raised from this event uh, go to help provide cutting edge technology, extraordinary care and transformative treatment for patients at Children's Health Ireland hospitals at Crumlin Temple Street, Tala and Connolly. Registrations for the event close on the 16th of June. Um, and if anybody would like any further information, it's childrenshealth.ie forward slash forward slash clash. <laughs> That's brilliant, brilliant stuff. Yeah, that, that is great. And I'm on the website now and there's a huge amount of information there. It looks like a really fun day out uh, for that team building. And as you said, all of this money goes directly to helping those uh, who need it, but also delivering uh, extra therapies and cares and treatments and so on. Um, how much of an impact has uh, COVID or did COVID have on fundraising? Because a lot of the initiatives that you mentioned there as fundraisers for you guys would have obviously have to have been paused during the pandemic. Did you see people coming up with innovative ways to donate or was it just that, you know, that the donations slumped a little bit for those two years? Yeah, very much so. People got um, extremely creative, which was wonderful. Um, and some of the initiatives have stuck around, you know, uh, with online challenges, for example, um, you know, making events virtual, virtual afternoon teas, people like from all over Ireland, you know, different counties were able to get together and, and hold events online. Um, or it was the online challenges where people were able to do the challenge themselves if it was, you know, um, 5k a day for a month type thing mm. um but yeah people got very inventive it was it was really lovely to see uh because you know it was a tough time for everyone and yeah. um, so it was, it was brilliant that you know the supporters still thought of the sick mm. children in hospital Another thing that I know just from people in my own life, uh, the developments in technology has, has been transformational for families of children who are chronically ill. And if they're spending significant periods of time in hospital, having access to a tablet or, a, you know, some sort of device to keep them entertained and all the rest. Talk to me a little bit about the importance of that and also the role it plays in keeping families together, particularly if one parent or two parents are staying with a sick child in hospital and there's other siblings or whatever it is at home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, the therapies would pay, play a, um, a massive part of that. So um, play therapy and music therapy in particular um, with uh, 
for example, Sive, you might have remembered patient from the toy show last year. Um, she was in Children's Health Ireland at Temple Street um, for uh, a while. And it was music therapy that really uh, perked her up. And she ended up writing her own songs and everything. Um, so, yeah, that's it, it's so important. And the play therapists will even for distractions for say a cannula um being inserted in in small patients or older patients um they they might like it and so the play therapists um are great with distractions and you know kind of uh, keeping the patients entertained it's extremely important and involving siblings where they can absolutely yeah, no, it's something that, as I said, a few different people have said to me that it makes a difference. Uh, do, do people and companies get in touch with you looking to donate devices or is it better for people to make financial donations so then you guys can decide what needs to go where? Yeah, so we're actually led by the medical teams. So how we uh, distribute the funds across the hospitals is that the hospitals come to us and request what they what they need, what they see is missing or, you know, really important to have or something that is going to make, um, like, say, a piece of equipment that's going to ensure that more children um, get a test done or, or um, something like that. So they actually know what they need mm-hmm. and then we fund that. So we're led by the medical teams. Yeah. And I know that the Clash of the Companies that we just spoke about there now, um, some of the, the money from the, the that initiative will go towards, I see that there was a, a specific request from the National uh, Pediatric Liver Service to CHI to purchase machines. Uh, so again, that's a very tangible goal. And if you just go, if you're a business and you're listening to this right now, go to childrenshealth.ie forward slash clash and you can register your business because every cent will make a difference. Isn't that correct? Absolutely. And we have to give a, a big thank you to Thomas O'Brien, our patient, our featured patient for Clash of the Companies. Well, look, it is a brilliant initiative. Uh, I really hope that it's a great day for everybody involved and that you get every cent of funding possible and uh, you continue to do great work. Thank you so much for joining us here on News Talk. Thank you so much, Jess. It was lovely to speak with you. Yeah, that was Emma Horgan, the Head of Campaigns and Community Engagement at Children's Health Foundation. That's it from me this week. Uh, John Fardy's going to be with you here in just a few minutes' time on News Talk. And I will chat to you next week.